by Lord Dunsany. It was the custom on Tuesdays in the Temple of Chubu for the priests to enter at evening and chant, There is none but Chubu. And all the people rejoiced and cried out, There is none but Chubu. And honey was offered to Chubu, and maize and fat. Thus was he magnified. Chubu was an idol of some antiquity, as may be seen from the color of the wood. He had been carved out of mahogany, and after he was carved, he had been polished. Then they had set him up on the diorite pedestal, with the brazier in front of it for burning spices, and the flat gold plates for fat. Thus they worshipped Chubu. He must have been there for over a hundred years, when one day the priests came in with another idol into the temple of Chubu, and set it up on a pedestal near Chubu's, and sang, There is also Shemesh. And all the people rejoiced and cried out, There is also Shemesh. Shemesh was palpably a modern idol, and although the wood was stained with a dark red dye, you could see that he had only just been carved. And honey was offered to Shemesh as well as Chubu, and also maize and fat. The fury of Chubu knew no time limit. He was furious all that night, and the next day he was furious still. The situation called for immediate miracles. To devastate the city with a pestilence and kill all his priests was scarcely within his power. Therefore, he wisely concentrated such divine powers as he had in commanding a little earthquake. Thus, thought Jubu, will I reassert myself as the only god, and men shall spit upon Shemish. Chubu willed it, and willed it, and still no earthquake came, when suddenly he was aware that the hated Shemish was daring to attempt a miracle too. He ceased to busy himself about the earthquake and listened, or shall I say felt, for what Shemish was thinking, for gods are aware of what passes in the mind by a sense that is other than any of our five. Shemish was trying to make an earthquake, too. The new god's motive was probably to assert himself. I doubt if Chubu understood or cared for his motive. It was sufficient for an idol already aflame with jealousy that his detestable rival was on the verge of a miracle. All the power of Chubu veered round at once and set dead against an earthquake, even a little one. It was thus in the temple of Chubu for some time, and then no earthquake came. To be a god and to fail to achieve a miracle is a despairing sensation, it is as though among men one should determine upon a hearty sneeze, and as though no sneeze should come. It is as though one should try to swim in heavy boots, or remember a name that is utterly forgotten. All these pains were Shemish's. And upon Tuesday the priests came in, and the people, and they did worship Chubu and offered fat to him, saying, O Chubu who made everything. And then the priests sang, There is also Shemish. 
And Chubu was put to shame and spake not for three days. Now there were holy birds in the temple of Chubu, and when the third day was come and the night thereof, it was, as it were, revealed to the mind of Chubu that there was dirt upon the head of Shemish. And Chubu spake unto Shemish, as speak the gods, moving no lips, nor yet disturbing the silence, saying, There is dirt upon thy head, O Shemish. All night long he muttered again and again, There is dirt upon Shemish's head. And when it was dawn, and voices were heard far off, Chubu became exultant with earth's awakening things, and cried out till the sun was high, Dirt, dirt, dirt upon the head of Shemish. And at noon he said, So Shemish would be a god. Thus was Shemish confounded. And with Tuesday one came and washed his head with rose water, and he was worshipped again when they sang, There is also Shemish. And yet was Chubu content, for he said, The head of Shemish has been defiled. And again, His head was defiled, it is enough. And one evening, lo, there was dirt on the head of Chubu also, and the thing was perceived of Shemish. It is not with the gods as it is with men. We are angry one with another and turn from our anger again. But the wrath of the gods is enduring. Chubu remembered, and Shemish did not forget. They spake as we do not speak, in silence, yet heard of each other, nor were their thoughts as our thoughts. We should not judge them merely by human standards. All night long they spake, and all night said these words only, Dirty Chubu, dirty Shemish, dirty Chubu, dirty Shemish, all night long. Their wrath had not tired at dawn, and neither had wearied of his accusation. And gradually, Chubu came to realize that he was nothing more than the equal of Shemish. All gods are jealous, but this equality with the upstart Shemish, a thing of painted wood a hundred years newer than Chubu, and this worship given to Shemish in Chubu's own temple, were particularly bitter. Chubu was jealous even for a god. And when Tuesday came again, the third day of Shemish's worship, Chubu could bear it no longer. He felt that his anger must be revealed at all costs, and he returned with all the vehemence of his will to achieving a little earthquake. The worshippers had just gone from his temple when Chubu settled his will to attain this miracle. Now and then his meditations were disturbed by that now familiar dictum, Dirty Chubu! But Chubu willed ferociously, not even stopping to say what he longed to say and had already said nine hundred times. And presently even these interruptions ceased. They ceased because Shemish had returned to a project that he had never definitely abandoned, 
the desire to assert himself and exalt himself over Chubu by performing a miracle, and the district being volcanic, he had chosen a little earthquake as the miracle most easily accomplished by a small god. Now an earthquake that is commanded by two gods has double the chance of fulfillment than when it is wielded by one, and an incalculably greater chance than when two gods are pulling different ways, as, to take the case of older and greater gods, when the sun and the moon pull in the same direction, we have our biggest tides. Chubu knew nothing of the theory of tides, and was too much occupied with his miracle to notice what Shemesh was doing. And suddenly, the miracle was an accomplished thing. It was a very local earthquake, for there are other gods than Chubu or even Shemesh, and it was only a little one, as the gods had willed. But it loosened some monoliths in a colonnade that supported one side of the temple, and the whole of one wall fell in, and the low huts of the people of that city were shaken a little, and some of their doors were jammed so that they would not open. It was enough, and for a moment it seemed that it was all. Neither Chubu nor Shemesh commanded there should be more, but they had set in motion an old law, older than Chubu, the law of gravity that that colonnade had held back for a hundred years. And the temple of Chubu quivered and then stood still, swayed once, and was overthrown on the heads of Chubu and Shemesh. No one rebuilt it, for nobody dared to near such terrible gods, some said that Chubu wrought the miracle, but some said Shemesh, and thereof schism was born. The weakly amiable, alarmed by the bitterness of rival sects, sought compromise and said that both had wrought it. But no one guessed the truth that the thing was done in rivalry. And a saying arose, and both sects held this belief in common, that whoso toucheth Chubu shall die, or whoso looketh upon Shemesh. That is how Chubu came into my possession when I travelled once beyond the hills of Ting. I found him in the fallen temple of Chubu, with his hands and toes sticking up out of the rubbish, lying upon his back. And in that attitude, just as I found him, I keep him to this day on my mantelpiece, as he is less liable to be upset that way. Shemesh was broken, so I left him where he was. And there is something so helpless about Chubu, with his fat hands stuck up in the air, that sometimes I have moved out of compassion to bow down to him and pray, saying, O Chubu that made everything, help thy servant. Chubu cannot do much, Though once I am sure that at a game of bridge he sent me the ace of trumps after I had not held a card worth having for the whole of the evening. And chance alone could have done as much as that for me. But I do not tell this to Chubu. This has been a Podcastle Miniature. Chubu and Shemish was written by Edward John Wharton Drax Plunkett, better known as the 18th Lord of Dunsany. Dunsany lived from 1878 to 1957 and published more than 80 books. 
Chubu and Sheemish was read for us by Steve Anderson, who does freelance acting, voiceover work, storytelling, living history, and educational and interactive theater. You can find out more, or even hire him for your own voice acting needs, at sgacreative.com or www.greattaleslive.com. Visit PodCastle on the web at podcastle.org.